welcome everybody. Thanks for coming. Came over the crowd. That kind of works a little bit. Well, welcome everyone. Thank you guys so much for coming. We appreciate you uh, choosing us for your breakout. You had many options, and yet you chose to be here. That is awesome. That was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't put names on That's right. We'll do that intentionally so that people come to ours. But uh, this is the tough one breakout, and uh, really what we're going to try to to go after in the next 30 minutes or so is just try to to talk about what do we do when we encounter the tough one. That, that person in our group that just, man, they continue to bump up against these same patterns, these same behaviors over and over again. They just seem like they never change or they refuse to change. And so we want to try to do our best to provide some hopefully, well, give you some hope, give you some encouragement, but then also to try to give you some practical tips on, okay, how do we navigate this tough one? What What is it that we do? Let me introduce myself. I'm Nate, Nate Miller. I'm our Webster Campus Pastor. I'm one of our group's coaches. Been doing that for a number of years now. Have the privilege of being a co-campus pastor, but a co-host with this guy over co-campus here. Co-campus pastor. Yeah. So I'm a campus pastor as well at the Greece Campus. My name is Mark. And uh, thank you. Wow, I didn't get it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> where, here, where are the Webster people at? But, uh, yeah, what was I saying? I don't even know. Who are you? Who are you? My name is Mark, and um, I get to be a coach, a uh, community group coach as well. And I, I just have to say this. I have to share this, Nate. So, you know, Nate and I are both Bills fans. Yeah. So, you know, we don't get a lot of wins. So today, Nate and I both came here right after morning services at our portable campuses and uh, we're you know kind of trying to help get things set up tonight and so when we could find time we were sneaking um, some peeks at our phones as we were so we were huddled around at times my phone wasn't working at times this phone wasn't working we're switching back and forth it was a lot of fun but saw the bills take the top lead gotta, in their division. We gotta savor it, right? Because it's only gonna last the last one. So every moment every moment we will enjoy this Anyway, that's neither here nor there. That's a different tough one subject, but uh, we are here to think about the tough ones in our groups and how we can handle the person that refuses to change. And who are these people? Who are these people? Well, it's it's kind of difficult perhaps to kind of categorize these individuals, but but we've done a little bit of work thinking that way. And, and if we were to categorize them, we might think of individuals in these different different places. Who are these tough ones? Page well, we might we nine, might think two, of the... Page nine. Sorry, page nine? Page nine, sorry, page nine. Yeah, great. Sorry. Um, we might think of the spiritually numb individual, the person that, that seems to lack any sensitivity to what God says is right. Uh, they don't desire to... It, it appears they don't desire to grow in, in their relationship or in their affection to God. Um, we might also think of, of the relationally, or I'm sorry, the financially distressed person. That, that person that, that uh, never seems to be able to get out of their own way financially. They can't get ahead. Uh, they might place what seems like unreasonable expectations on even the group for help over and over again. They're financially distressed. This could be the relationally hapless 
person. Um, this person that, that when it comes to relationships, they're just socially awkward. They just never can seem to make those connections. And that ends up being a, a common issue for, for them that just appears and reappears. It might be the perpetually addicted individual. Maybe this is um, you know gambling addiction or, or pornography or some kind of a substance. And it's just, it's reoccurring. They never seem to make any progress or maybe they appear to for a little while, but then before long, they're right back in the same place. Or it could be the one that, that we're all familiar with, the group drainer. You know, that person that just kind of sucks the life and energy out of group. And when you think about, even as a leader, when you think about going to group on a given night, if you're honest, you have to admit that you don't really want to go. And it's probably because this person is coming to mind. They might be there. And, and we don't want to admit that. That doesn't sound very righteous and holy, right? But it's it's the way that we sometimes feel. We have those individuals in our group that do drain the life out of it. And so when we've thought about these people and we've been, you know, kind of contemplating this subject and looking for resources that might be helpful, we came across a great video resource that we thought held a lot of promise in terms of what it would take to really deal with and help a, a, a person who is a tough one. So take a look at uh, at this. Okay. Well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to pack. Has, has, has anyone ever ever tried to to bury you alive in a box? No, no. But truly, thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. <laughs> what you're saying is you're you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm. Uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Shall I uh, write them down? Well, if, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, you're there. Stop it. <laughs> Exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. <laughs> you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds frightening. <laughs> stop it. So that will be um, uh, three dollars. <laughs> 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 
counseling. I'm going to explain that term in a minute. But but back uh, decades, in fact, ago, uh, back in the 70s, uh, a man by the name of Jay Adams wrote what was then a groundbreaking Christian counseling book called Competent to Counsel. And he introduced a, a style of biblical counseling, and that's, in fact, what they call it today. They don't, I don't think they still use the word euthetic counseling because it confuses everybody. But they say, you know, we're biblical counselors. And, and the idea that he introduced was that we want to practice a key, um, a, a key word in the New Testament. And that, that word, at its root, was a Greek word, nutheteo. So, so nutheteo uh, counseling really came from a biblical word, um, nutheteo. And it's variously translated in our English Bibles, confront, warn, admonish, instruct. And so uh, basically in this, in this movement of counseling, Jay Adams was essentially saying, look, the Bible seems to be saying that it's our responsibility as believers to practice these kinds of things in the lives that we have, in the relationships that we share in the Christian life. And so let's take a look at some of the places where we see this in Scripture. Uh, Paul says here in Romans chapter 15, But I myself am fully convinced about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to nutheteo, able to instruct one another. You're able to do that, brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, he also says something similar in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn... There's that word again. Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. And this responsibility that that we have as followers of Jesus to warn, to instruct, to admonish, this is a responsibility that we have. In fact, Jesus talks about this in a well-known passage, Matthew 18. It's the passage that a lot of people turn to for church discipline and what that looks like. He says this, starting in verse 15. He says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And it's interesting here, you know, I think oftentimes when we think of Matthew 18 and we think about church discipline, or right, that's that moment in time where church leadership steps in and they determine whether or not a person is a follower of Christ or not, or they should still be a part of the church or not. But what's interesting and what Jesus lays out for us here is that the correction that should take place in a person's life should have happened far beyond, before, yeah, before. Uh, the church leadership steps in, that it needs to begin with relationships one-on-one, which we see happen all the time, especially in the life of groups. Absolutely. This is just what Paul is getting at in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Sorry about that. Galatians 6, verse 1. The the correction of believers needs to begin with within relationships one with another was the point that Nate was just just addressing. So that's that's in your notes. But then uh, Paul says in Galatians 6, 1, Brothers, And sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. And so we think that this is significant in terms of our thinking. Because uh, instead of focusing on the problem uh, and expecting years of therapy, as often mainstream psychology does, (coughs) biblical counseling focuses on the biblical solution and expects the counselee to change by the power of the Holy Spirit, conforming to the biblical model presented. So there's an expectation there 
bound up in our interactions with one another as uh, as Christians, as fellow group members. And we believe that it is the responsibility of each Christian to counsel, to instruct, confront, advise, warn, etc. Other Christians. And we think that this responsibility that we have, in fact, surfaces some of the most effective need-to-know, need-to-grow moments in our lives. You see, we think this process. We actually think that, that thrusting a group of people like yourselves into leadership, where you're confronted with some of these tough issues, actually is one of the things that most encourages your Christian growth and, and our Christian growth. And, and we love that. Yes. It's, it's all about making better disciples. So I know it can be easy for us to feel like, oh, I'm not equipped, I'm not sure that I can handle or do this. Just real quick, a couple of things before we get into the more practical side of things. But you are fully equipped to do this because you have two things. Number one, you have God's word, and then you have his spirit. I love what Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that every servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good, good work. So we have God's word. It is sufficient. But then I also love this, what Peter says in 2 Peter 1, verse 3. Talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, he says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So you're probably at a place where you're saying, okay, you know what? I, I buy that. I get that. I believe that. I want to live that way. And, and you might be at a place where you say, I own that responsibility. That when there's an issue, I want to be on the front lines of being a person that provides that nuthateo, that warning, that correction, that advice, that encouragement. But then you still might be at a place where you're saying, but I, I don't know how to do it. I don't know where to begin. And so we want to, if we can, provide you with seven what we hope are practical principles that you can take with you to put in play when you're dealing with such an issue. Principles for dealing with the tough one in your group. Uh, the first is for you to cultivate an attitude of empathy. Uh, quite possibly you've gotten to a place of frustration and uh, maybe despair. You feel like you want to give up and it's tough to be empathetic oftentimes. Uh, to put it simply, most difficult people don't like being difficult, or they're simply unaware that they are. Uh, they frequently come from dysfunctional situations, dysfunctional families. They've often suffered various kinds of mistreatment, abuse, and victimization. Now, they are fully responsible for their actions and for their choices that they make. And they, they may have had to oftentimes tackle those challenges without the kind of resources that a lot of us have had the, the advantage of of having at our disposal. So just simply beginning with an understanding of their hardship that's possibly there can help you develop patience and allow you to see beyond the unattractive patterns that exist in that situation. So tip or principle number two would be this. Try to see the potential in them that God sees. Um, I know, man, when you're de dealing with a difficult person, it can be it can be hard to see any potential or any upside, right? And uh, it can be very frustrating, especially if it's been a long journey with that individual. But try to see the potential in them that, that God sees. And what I love about Scripture is that as you look at the Old Testament, you look at the New Testament, it is filled with stories of people who were deeply flawed, dysfunctional people. And yet God used them. He used their stories, their lives for incredible things. So I think finding creative ways to reframe negatives as positives Right, here's an amazing opportunity that God wants to show you in your life. Instead of it just being this problem problem that they that they are dealing with, it could help them change their their perspective. 
And uh, we hope that that ultimately can inspire hope in that person, where they can see what mm-hmm. seems like doom and gloom as, man, actually, here is an opportunity before me where God wants to do something in my life and help me see something that I've yet to see, an area of growth that I can take that I have not yet done. Yeah, that's good. Number three is to bathe them in prayer. That's kind of a weird phrase. Um, but, you know, just the idea that um, we believe in the power of prayer. You know, James talks about the fact that uh, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and very effective. And what is it that's going to break through the heart of, of a stubborn person? It, it's probably not going to be our convincing them. It's, it's probably going to be the Spirit of God breaking uh, breaking them down and, and softening their their heart. But I want to suggest that, you know, it's it's simple to talk about praying for difficult people. But if we're honest, it probably doesn't often happen as much as it should. But I want to encourage you not to feel, not not to wait to pray for those difficult people in your group until you feel positive about them, right? Because you're probably going to be waiting forever. The, the, the truth is, uh, it's difficult to foster those feelings of affection. I want to encourage you to begin praying for them even when you don't feel like it. And then allow God to powerfully not only change their heart, but it changed your attitude toward them. Um, it, it could be amazing um, what God does. And, and then be be honest with God. Tell, tell God, I don't feel like praying for this person. I don't really have much affection for this person. But I know you do, God. I know you love them. And I want to love them too. Be honest with God. And then uh, allow God to do what only he can do. Number four, recognize your limits. Um, you're a community group leader. You are not God. You are not the Holy Spirit. Um, you cannot change um, someone's heart or someone's life. And uh, I think that's really, really important to understand. And I think it's, it's man, it is so important that we listen, that we challenge appropriately, that we love, that we encourage, we do all of those things. But at the end of the day, I can't change anyone's heart. And, and you can't either. So recognize your limits and depend on God. Take advantage of those moments and opportunities you have to come alongside of that person. But ultimately... Um, if that person refuses to change, it's not on you. You didn't do anything wrong. You seize the moments and the opportunities you have before you. And so recognize your limits. I think it's important for us to understand that, especially when we're, when we're working with a difficult person within, within our group. Yeah, for sure. I think the fifth principle is maybe one of the most practical ones. It's to, as a leader, set crisp boundaries. Um, the needs of the difficult people in our groups are sometimes so great that they can threaten to drain the resources of even the healthiest and most effective group, most functional group. And the interpersonal styles of difficult people can be so confrontational and abrasive that if they're allowed free reign in your group, it could wreak havoc on what you believe God wants to do um, in the in the, the the body life, so to speak, of your group and, and in the members of your group. So while setting boundaries may seem harsh and controlling, uh, we want to suggest that it's maybe one of the most loving things that you can actually do, both for your challenging friend and for your group. In, in some ways, I would say this, that if that if leaders fail to set clear and crisp boundaries for their group, then in some ways they're actually inviting the difficult people to have the kind of influence that they shouldn't have. And so you as a leader, you're the first line in ensuring that that kind of thing doesn't need to take place. I think a great opportunity to do this, a very practical thing, is your group agreement. At the beginning of every trimester, we encourage you to go over that group agreement that kind of sets the expectations for what group is about. And that's a way that you could indirectly help that tough one in your group by talking about, hey, this is a safe place. 
what we want to share openly and uh, this, what is said here stays here. We also want to provide opportunities for everyone to share within the group. And we want the comments to be directed at what is God teaching us, not going after other people or he, he said this or she said that. But that is personal, that we are, are seeking to grow in our relationship with God. Those are kind of indirect ways that can help you set crisp boundaries, just leveraging the group agreement at the start of every trimester. Absolutely. And then, you know, as you already know, that's going to work for the majority of the people in your group, but it may not work for all of them. And so that's going to require a one-on-one conversation, right, outside of group where you lovingly come alongside a person. And this is going to take place at the appropriate time. You know how to sense that and feel that out, what that right time is. But we want to encourage you to to take the ownership of, of the situation in your group and have those kinds of powerful one-on-one conversations. Um, th- that'll go a long way. Yeah. Uh, okay, number six. Weigh the needs of the tough ones against the needs of the group. This is so, so important. Yeah. Weigh the needs of the tough one against the needs of the group. There may be times when, for the sake of your group, you need to ask that person to take a break for a little while because it is disrupting the group and you're not able to accomplish the ABCs that, that we talk about all the time. When that begins to happen, you may need to, to say, okay, we need to hit pause. We need to, let's meet separately or let's pull a coach or a pastor in for counseling uh, to help that individual. There have been um, uh, one of the groups that I, I, I coached that there was an individual in that group who was an alcoholic. And they struggled with being an alcoholic for, for years, for decades. And occasionally they showed up to group drunk. And everyone in the group knew it. Everyone could see it. And so the leaders, they loved that person, but they had to make the hard call to say, look, you can't, you can't attend group like this. You, we need to get you help and we want to help you. But look, it's not okay for you, for you to be here. And that was, I love that, that leaders saw this opportunity impacting the needs of those in the group. And for the sake of the group, they had to make a hard call say, hey, listen, you can't be here. But yet we still want to provide help. So I think it's really important that as you, and every situation is a little bit different, but it's important that we weigh the needs of the tough one against the needs of the group. That way you don't derail your group or you end up losing, you know, those relationships and opportunities within your group. Yeah, good. And then the final principle, number seven, when you are in over your head, call your coach. Um, you know, we, we really believe that if Christians will one another the, the biblical principles in the Bible, that if, if we will take the responsibility to to provide the encouragement and challenge when needed, the, the, the confrontation when needed at that level, that, that we think that 95% of, of the issues in life and in group will be taken care of in a, in a very effective and God-honoring way. But we also recognize that there are those times when, when there's an issue and you just simply don't know what to do. You are at your wit's end with it, and you need additional help. And that's okay. Don't be ashamed of that. There is a resource um, readily available to you as leaders, and, and that most direct resource is your group coach. Uh, if, if an individual in your group appears to have serious personality problems or if there's significant emotional distress, if they're chronically disruptive in the presence of the group, and you're feeling in over your head with it, um, consider contacting your group coach. They they may be able to offer a broader perspective that, that you hadn't yet considered, and at least there'll be an outside sounding board for you to provide that platform of support. And there might be times when your group coach will want to personally interact with this individual as well to provide that, uh, that extra support that you need. 
But in those events where the scope of the issue is beyond what your group coach can provide, because you might go to your group coach and quite honestly, sometimes we're going to say, boy, wow, that's huge. And I'm not even sure what to do with that. Then at least that coach then will be able to, to, to seek out the, the, re, the resources and help of other pastors and other counselors uh, that could get involved in the situation. It's also, I think, worth noting that in the event that this tough group member is also a member of Northridge Church, then there may be membership requirements that the individual is missing on, that they're not measuring up to, and that need to be addressed by pastoral authority. And so that's another um, reason why pastoral um, uh, involvement might be needed to follow that Matthew 18 scenario. So we hope these these principles and tips are helpful to you, um, that you find them practical in ways that you, you know, these are ideas that don't just sound good, but hopefully you can take and implement within your group. And some additional ways uh, or help for you guys as leaders, um, we would just love to offer up this. You know, we have, we have our biannual group leader training. That's not so it's in your notes. Okay, so don't look at the screen, but it should be in your book. So biannual group leader training. Um, that's what we're doing right now. We do our best as coaches to plan these out well in advance to try to cover topics and, and issues that you're experiencing um, that are relevant to where you are at and, and things that you uh, are experiencing on a regular basis within your within your group. So take part in these. We try to craft even our breakouts to cover a bunch of topics that hopefully are helpful to you guys. Uh, equip. We have classes that we offer on a whole bunch of different uh, range of topics throughout the year. We have a weekly email that goes out for those need to know, need to grow moments where we're pulling together, constantly pulling together articles that we hope um, that are helpful to you and can be beneficial to you in, in your spiritual growth. Um, starting point, it's another incredible yeah. environment we have for people who are on the front end of faith. So if you have a tough one, and maybe they're not even a follower of Christ, or they're on the front end of faith, starting point is an amazing environment. It's the best environment we have for people to navigate through or to work through some of the you know, kind of the foundations of the of the faith and what it means to be a follower of Christ. Um, our resource center, we have booklets and materials available that um, you can, are simple ways to get into the hands of people who are struggling. Um, you can purchase through our resource center or you can go online to Amazon. Um, that is totally fine as well. But um, in fact, on our Equip website, we have tons of resources that you can go to that can help you with information that can help you navigate the tough one. And then we've been talking about this coach pastoral availability and care. We're, we're here to help in whatever way we, we can. We never, ever, ever want you to feel alone or isolated out there. But, um, man, we, we say all the time, 24-7, let us know. We, we're here to help you guys. Yeah, very good. We really believe that if, if you will lead out in your group uh, when it comes to the tough ones in your group, that, then we think that two things uh, ultimately will happen. One of two things will happen with, with that individual. Either, first of all, either they will leave, which, which could happen, right? You, you might ask to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation, have it, and it might not go well. And, and that person might get upset, and that's a risk. That might happen. Or, huh, more promisingly, they will change. They will change. And certainly we'll prayerfully hope for that. But in either case, no matter which of those two things occurs, you will have acted wisely. And your group will be the better for it. And dare I see the happier for it as well. Um, so, yeah, we hope that these have been some helpful, helpful ideas tonight. Do you have questions for us? Questions that Mark can answer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Any questions? If you have... Uh an individual in your group that's a tough person to be in. Um, when should your coach be notified about that person? Uh, when they, when uh, the coach, when you need the coach's help, or can you tell them right up front, hey, we're having 
this individual having a tough time with? You know, when should your coach know about that? Great, great question. I'll let you answer that, but repeat that question so that yeah. I can get it on them. So when is it, but yeah, when you're dealing with the, the tough one, a tough person in your group, when is the appropriate time to let your coach know? Um, I would say two things. Number one, a lot of it just depends on the nature of that person. So if it's like, wow, okay, I'm not really sure what to do, call the coach. If you're like, okay, maybe here's a couple of things I can try, go for it. We trust you guys as leaders. But if you get to a point where you're like, ah, I just don't know what to do, let us know. Anytime you get to a point, even if you want to bounce those ideas off of like, man, maybe I'm thinking about maybe I'm going to try this. We'd love to, to, to walk through that with you. Another thing would be in your coaching check-in. One of the questions I always like to, to ask is, what's frustrating you? You know, what's discouraging you? What are you upset about? That's a question I love to ask in my check-ins. And that sometimes, well, man, there's this there's this situation or there's this person. Yeah. So in the check-ins is also a really good time because, again, we want to know what's going on. What are you loving or what's being frust- frustrating? So I would say either call us or the check-ins could be a great opportunity to bring the coach in. That's great. Yeah, I was only going to say, similarly to the second point they made, if it's at a level where it's causing you frustration to the point where you don't really know how that frustration will be alleviated, I think you got to call, call the coach and let them know at least. Um, they can be praying with you about it, and then at the right time, if needed, they can they can intervene in some way. That's good. Good question. Yeah, great. Other questions out there tonight? Hey, Allison. Yeah, could you talk a little more about <laughs> yeah, well, that would be a great example of a boundary to set. So, so Allison asked the question: uh, could, could we talk a little bit more about what it means to set crisp boundaries? I, I think the boundaries that we're talking about, and Nate mentioned them, they're fairly well laid out um, in the, the like the group guidelines or the group. What do we call that? Agreement. The group agreement. Thank you. Um, and I think a lot of times, if we'll take actually take the opportunity the first night of group and read through those so that everyone's on the same page in terms of what's expected in terms of how do we how do we interact here in this environment how do we behave you know so to speak or uh, what kind of things should we say what's going too far um, that might need to be spelled out a little bit more especially like in the case where you've got some people that are very unfamiliar with the group context uh, so I think using your own sensibilities as a leader just to kind of know where that is at, and then taking some freedom and some liberty to, to maybe be a little bit more specific if you feel it's needed. But I think a, a lot of times, and I know I've, I've been guilty of this, like I just assume everybody knows them. Or, man, do we really need to go over them and you know remind everybody again? Will this feel too controlling, um, too limiting? But I, I'm always usually, I always usually regret not doing that at the first night of group. Because even for those of us that are familiar with group for a long time, we still need to be reminded what is expected here? Um, yeah, I don't know and, if you did that. Yeah, and I think just, again, some other other hopefully helpful tips would be just in how, how you respond as a leader in the moment. So when someone says something like that, you know, trying to redirect that question without letting it stew. So And maybe you do it with a follow-up question that, again, re, re, redirects them back to the question or back to, hey, oh, yeah, uh, that's interesting. We talk about that later. I'm, I'm not concerned about that person, but what about for you? So getting back at them, not, oh, this is so-and-so or, you know, where it's others focused. But again, wh- what is it that, what does that look like for you in your life? You know, I think how we respond, I sure. know that is yeah. more of an art, right? And, and so that's, <laughs> it's, it's hard to do that. But I think how you respond as leaders and even follow-up questions can be a way to set boundaries. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's like like Nate said, it's an art. There's a skillful way to do it in the moment. It's not always easy, but um, you know, saying a, a general statement to try to deflect that. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to try to not focus on on any individuals specifically or uh, that kind of thing. Instead, let's think about this question, or you might even repeat the question. So, yeah. yep. Okay, another question. Yeah, right here in front. How do you deal with people who are, tend to come to your group more for the social aspect than for the spiritual? How do you deal with people that tend to come to group for the social aspect more than for the spiritual aspect? I would say that's okay. I would say that that's okay initially, right? Because you want them, you want to build relationships. And sometimes, especially for guys, man, for a lot of times, guys who are new to church, the only reason they come to group is the social and their wife comes for a while. And then finally they hang out with the guys and like, okay, these guys are kind of cool. And then they'll come to group. So I think for, for guys, it may take a little bit longer. And if they're just coming to hang out, that's okay, but hopefully over time, those relationships uh, mean that influence is also gaining, right. where you're able to ask those questions. Hey, how can I pray for you this week? Or yeah. um, be able to direct it more towards their growth, their spiritual journey, rather than, hey, let's just hang out and have, you know, <laughs> how the bills do this week or talk sports. But I, I would say, to a degree, that's okay, yeah. depending, again, on the nature of the person. You certainly don't want it to just be like, this is hangout time, and we never really get around to really encouraging one another. But And sometimes, you know, it'll turn into, you know, more guys' time. It's, you know, bringing the group off topic. Yeah. So there's kind of a lull in, in the talk. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's the toughest part. For sure. Yeah, there, there can be a danger, uh, Eric was saying, there can be a danger of the topic um, – Get, you know, maybe not being gotten to on a given night or whatever, or in prayer time. I think that's the leader's responsibility, you know, mm-hmm. to step in and really take control, even if it means, you know, being the, the bad guy in that situation, but that you're not going to allow that. You, you might, you might have a little bit of grace on the front end or, you know, with a new person, but man, you can't let that go on for too long because you're going to really discourage those that are there for that spiritual benefit. And a lot of times the leader set the tone for that too. So like if you're stating like prayer time and here's what we're shooting for and leading out in that, again, that's another way to model. That's great. Yes. Um, Ashley. Ashley, thank you. Do you have any suggestions for the person who doesn't see a need for change or thinks that they have an issue? Bathe them in prayer. (laughs) (laughs) That is a weird word. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what it what, yeah, so Ashley's question is <laughs> what is the what is, what is the advice for that person that is apathetic essentially, right? They don't they don't see a need for change. <laughs> Bathe them in prayer. Is the that's, my, that's what I got. I like it. Uh, yeah, I you know, um I, I boy, it's a tough one like the sub- subject matter tonight, but um you you are limited there, but prayer is certainly big there. Uh, you can't change a heart. God can do that. We believe he can and often does that. You know, uh, man, um, no. I, in, in a sense, I don't have the answer to that. I can continue to pray for them. I can continue to uh, encourage them in positive directions. Um, I can have those one-on-one conversations. That's where I would go is I'd have a conversation and say, hey, it, you know, by all appearance, man, what's going on? Like it doesn't look like there's really any desire to grow in Christ. It, what, am I wrong? You know, help me understand. And then at least we, I think that personal conversation would begin to get at the root of what's going on there. Especially if they claim to be followers of Jesus. Right. Because right? we right. have that responsibility that we're called to come alongside, like we talked about tonight. So that's where you have a chance, I think, to step in and say, man, I know you're a follower of Jesus. You claim that yeah. he's the leader of your life. 
you know, here's what I'm seeing. How, what am I missing? You know, just try to, again, with grace and truth, try yeah. to navigate through that. And that's where confession, you know, really, I mean, and I'm not talking about confessing sin. I'm talking about confessing Christ, right? But when we confess Christ, that matters because that means we have automatically said, no, I'm one of Christ's. So you can expect certain things of my life. And so I think at that point we do have a responsibility and an opportunity. But then another step would be membership, right? So when a person is a member and then they're acting like, you know, as if it doesn't matter to them at all, then I think, again, we have another level of accountability uh, of which to approach them with. So those are some steps that I think we could take. Uh, I'll go right here with Johnny and then to Jeff. So related to Ashley's question, so what if you have a you know, we have a guy in our group that doesn't ever come to, come to our group, and our wife is very consistent, and it seems like our the wife is enabling his apathy. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to do anything about it, but do you have any suggestions that I can pass on to my wife about possibly <laughs> 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 What do you do about a guy that doesn't come to group and his wife just makes excuses for him to continue that behavior? Treat him like a pagan and a tax collector. (laughs) 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 Maybe not yet. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) That's a tough one. Oh, man. I think that is where... I mean, you, you only have so much you're working with. Like, if you're not... If you have no window into his life, like if he's never showing up or you don't have a relationship, then it's hard to have influence, right? Because relationship pays way for influence. So I would just try to encourage, you know, Krista, again, number one, to be living out her faith, encouraging her to live out her faith, and hopefully she's modeling her faith that her husband is going to grab a hold of mm-hmm. his heart. I mean, First Peter talks about that, right? Like just living out, just the example of living out your faith is a very, very powerful thing. Especially in the context of a, a husband and a wife relationship. So as Krista is able, I think, to come alongside and just try to encourage her um, is, and pray yeah. as well. But that, that's a hard one because if you were to probably jump in and say, hey, let's get together and talk, you're probably going to – he's like, forget this. You know what I mean? So it's – that's a hard one. That's Word. good advice. Yeah, that's good advice. We have time for Jeff's question. Well, it's more like a suggestion back to the Excellent. other question. Yes. Where possible, if it's a believer, use scripture. Mm, great. Find find passages that speak to their problem and yeah. say, "Hey, this isn't my opinion. Right. This is what God says. You know, what are you going to do about?" Absolutely, that's great, Jeff. Jeff's suggestion is to, when possible, use scripture, and I love that because. You know, we talked about the sufficiency of Scripture and of the Spirit, and it's awesome that the two work together, right? They're not independent of one another. The Spirit uses the Scripture, speaks through it, and He's the one that can break through that heart and change a life. So I love that. That's that's good advice. And the other thing to do, too, is to try to educate ourselves before problems come about. You know, keep doing these resources, keep in the training so that you're not trying to play catch up with Absolutely. some training when you all of a sudden, well, now I've got an issue in this area, I better read up on it. Yeah, We're that's already excellent. trying to become ourselves better disciples. Yeah, and be more knowledgeable of scripture and some of the other resources that you guys have Love that, Jeff. Thanks. Guys, thank you so much for being here tonight. We are out of time. We'd love to continue to chat with you if you want to stick around. Take care, guys. Yeah.